If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, we are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. By the way, I appreciate hearing from those of you who have questions, thoughts, comments, opinions, whatever that might be. Most of you, I should say. <laughs> I appreciate hearing from most of you. You know, I enjoy hearing from you. Always welcome it. Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. I should mention, I should mention, and, and we've not been back on Facebook Live. We will be. I'm working through a couple of things here, um, kind of uh, just as we, I don't know, are ramping up here and getting ready uh, for just, just some of the changes and some adjustments and so forth that are on on my end. But we'll be getting back to Facebook Live here in the hopefully not too not too distant future. But Anyhow, um, we're not there today. You can listen to the program, com slash listen, um, and we'll post that on our Facebook page for those of you who normally listen on Facebook Live. So, 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 we want to talk about Iran today. As you know, as you have seen by now, last night, Iran launched what they uh, what's being reported, and we're still at the point of gathering information here. Still sifting through some information, but from what we can tell, Iran has fired approximately a dozen ballistic missiles at U.S. forces that were on Iraqi bait, well, bases in Iraq, and um, it's over a dozen, is what I'm seeing, seeing here on on Fox, um, and of course, we're still getting. I guess the initial assessment as to what damages, um, God forbid, any fatalities and that sort of thing, um, that, that is still, um, we're still, I guess, gathering, gathering that information. This, of course, is in response to um, the U.S. taking out General Soleimani, who incidentally, um, and I, look, I, I, every Tuesday I'm interviewed on a program I should share those interviews. I, it's a different feel for me, right? Because normally I come in here with what I want to talk about. I have to think about what you want to hear about. I have to think about what's of most interest to me because that's, of course, necessary. I should say necessary for for good radio. I've got to be able to myself be interested. That's why sometimes I get messages from folks they want to hear about stuff. Sometimes I can't because maybe it doesn't doesn't interest me as much. Sometimes it takes more research. and But anyway, the point is I have to do this 
and put this information together, think about what I want to talk about and what I think you want to hear about and just kind of think through some things and hear, hear some perspective and ideas about these issues and topics. But when I'm being interviewed, I get to respond to a specific question. So it's a much different feel. I basically call into the show and we start talking about things. And just we talked about Iran yesterday. And again, maybe I should share this sort of thing more on social media because I um, there's some good conversations from time to time, if I may say so myself. But we, we talked about Iran. And this was prior to the, the strike that Iran made. But I think there's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of fair questions here with Iran, in my opinion. There's a lot of, uh, you know, we don't want to be in endless wars. We don't want to go looking for a war. We don't want to (laughs) be creating environments uh, that that lead to war. However, however, (laughs) it's not creating an environment that leads to war if you are simply existing and being uh, being yourself. This this Iran issue goes way back, folks, to 1979. We have been, you could say, in, in some way, shape, manner, or form, Iran has been at war with the United States since the Iranian Revolution in 1979. Trump did not cause that problem. Not even Barack Obama caused that problem. Not President Clinton, not President George W. Bush, not President George H.W. Bush, not President I say Reagan already, not President Reagan. And now Jimmy Carter, on the other hand, might have had some involvement there. But this is this is something that's been um, brewing for a long, long time. And of course, we backed. Uh, well, it, I don't want to get into the Iranian Revolution, but that's where this goes back to. And you know, Iran is the ideological antithesis to the United States of America. Iran is a nation that embraces. Sharia law. Now, as I said in the interview yesterday, that's not that that's not reason in and of itself to go to war, right? That's 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 not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are fundamental issues, fundamentally important issues that separate the United States of America and Iran. And these things run run deep. And so you have a nation that wants to see the spread of of Sharia law. They look at nations like the United States and call us the great Satan. They call Israel the little Satan. And they are antagonistic. They are provocative. And yes, we, I mean, we were involved back uh, in trying to, uh, you know, I guess uh, assert our self-interest or what our government thought was our self-interest at the time during the Iranian revolution. And uh, so there, there's questions about all of that, whether that should have been done. And I, mean, I, I suppose there's fair discussion about all of that sort of stuff. But the idea, this is what I want to get to here today, the idea that we are somehow morally equivalent with the nation of Iran is completely erroneous. It's completely, absolutely positively erroneous. We are not the, the, the there's not a moral equivalency between the United States and Iran. For example, and I hear people say this sort of thing from time to time, what business is it of the United States if Iran has nuclear weapons? After all, the United States has nuclear weapons. Well, I think that that's uh, the the answer to that is quite obvious. Iran has told us what they would do should they have nuclear weapons. They tell us they will 
wipe the nation of Israel off the face of the planet. They've, they've really not made any bones about this. They've told us, they've told us their intention, right? This is, uh, this is surrounded by chance of death to Israel and death to Iran, or excuse me, death to the United States coming from, uh, from the Iranian leaders. And so, again, I think I may have mentioned this on the program recently, but I think it's a fair question to say if, if Iran had the weaponry of the United States and the United States had the weaponry of Iran, would they have already sh- struck the United States of America? I think that the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. So the amount of restraint that we have used over the years has been in some ways, uh, you could make the case, uh, you could say has been, uh, we, we've had a lot of restraint. Some people would say we've been cowardly. Some people would say we've kicked the can, the proverbial can down the road. Some people would say we've turned a blind eye to the real problems in Iran. And at different times, I suppose different responses would potentially, um, maybe, arguably be correct. But the truth is, the truth is we've often, uh, I guess, asserted weakness in Iran, or in our relations with Iran. Even in recent years, I mean, we have sailors that were taken hostage. We have an unmanned drone that was shot out of the sky. We've had all of the incidents in the Strait of Hormuz that it, where Iran has been causing problems with these vessels traveling through. Right? I mean, this is not something that just sprung up this week and even under the Trump administration. This problem is deeply, deeply rooted. Now, just because there's fundamental issues, of course, doesn't necessarily mean there should be war. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that these problems run incredibly, incredibly deep. And as I mentioned on this program Monday, and by the way, I apologize for being out uh, yesterday. There's some some adjusting that I'm trying to do here behind the scenes. And um, as we make this transition to a second hour and uh, not always the best, candidly, at, at doing some of these things that, that need to be done. And I'm uh, struggling with a couple of things. But nonetheless, nonetheless, that's, uh, I apologize. And we'll, we're working through some things. But so, but on Monday's show, I talked about this. I said, suppose you were the president of the United States. Suppose you were Donald Trump. Suppose you looked at the evidence that, first of all, evidence that we do see as regular everyday Americans, we do see some information, some evidence of the uh, well, atrocious and evil acts of Iran. There's some things we haven't seen, right? Things behind the curtain, things that you only see in intelligence briefings. And the president has seen these things. He's seen the name General Soleimani at the uh, as as the, the the culprit, as the one who's organizing and who's leading, so to speak, leading these particular evil actions. And you say, my job as commander-in-chief is to protect American lives. This guy has clearly killed Americans. He's clearly looking for other ways to kill Americans. This problem goes back to the 19, late 1970s. This is not going away. We've not addressed this head on. We've not gotten tough enough with Iran. We know where this guy is. It's my job to protect American lives, the president might say. You might say, if you're president of the United States in this little make-believe game we're playing. And I think all people can understand the 
decision to take that action. Now, some people are saying, how in the world are we, we taking? Some people, that surprised me, really. Why? How can we take this action against someone on on sovereign soil? It's not, you know, it's, it's Iraq. It's not... It's not U.S. soil. It's um, you know, it's not really any of our business. Why are we fighting these wars? Some of these things, there, there's legitimate conversations and questions. But what we know is that Soleimani is responsible for killing Americans, and Trump says enough, enough of this. We know where he is. We're going to take him out, and they did. We, we've seen we've seen what he's capable of doing with the attacks on the embassy. And see, this is what I think some other people um, again. I, I, I'm not wanting to rush to war here. And some people would say, well, we're already at war if we're shooting uh, missiles and they're lobbing missiles back in return at us. And I can understand to that to, to a degree, but we're not at wide-scale war with Iran. We're not looking at ground war. We're basically looking at stopping the war that they've been waging against us for all this time through their proxies. They keep They keep upping the ante, seeing where the proverbial red line is. And Trump said, you found it. And so, of course, they use it as an excuse to then respond again with these attacks, these attacks on our on our bases, and we're still uh, trying to ascertain the exact um, level of damage, and we hope that all U.S. service members are uh, safe and not not harm, but I've not seen any official reports as of yet, as we're still waiting for that. But getting a sign here that it's time to take a break, and I look up and see that it is. So I'm going to take a time out. When we get back, I'm going to continue to talk about this. Really, you know what I want to do today? <clears throat> I want to, because I'm working through this. I'm working through this. I'm thinking through this. And I'm going to kind of candidly just have a open, I guess, discussion as, uh, as as I'm working through some of these these issues with Iran, some of the main issues, some of the side issues, some of the questions that I think are fair that are being asked, some of the questions I think are bogus and insane that are being asked. And we'll talk about that and break it down, but I've got to take a time out. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, been talking about Iran today, and I'm now seeing uh, early reports that, again, I hate to, to to say these things because it is it is fluid. But early reports I've I've seen indicate that there are no uh, U.S. Ca- uh, casualties from this this strike from these strikes. So, hopefully, that uh, turns out to to be the case. But nonetheless, the Iranians have launched missile strikes against. United States bases in Iraq. And, you know, I actually saw, I was watching last night, Brett Baer, actually I think he was on uh, Tucker Carlson, and he made a comment that there were there was a base that's closer to Iran, and I don't have the name in front of me, I'm just going from, from memory from what he said, and the Iranians chose not to strike that base. Uh, apparently it maybe even had more uh, U.S. soldiers on that base than the one that they struck in Iraq, which caused, I don't know, Tucker or someone else to raise the question of whether the intent was to focus on bases that were maybe more symbolic, that where they didn't want to have uh, ca- you know, as many casualties or whatever the case may be. 
I don't know. I mean, these, these are all questions and uh, things that I guess you could think about as the dust uh, as the dust settles from all of this. But at the end of the day, what we've got is an, an act of uh, you know Iran raising and up in the ante yet again um, from the strike of you know where Trump took out General Soleimani. Now, I think that well, you know, let me pause. Something I had seen in the uh, – bear with me. I want to pull this this article up. This was uh, Andrew McCarthy. One of the things that people are upset about is this, this strike on, on Soleimani. In fact, you'll hear people uh, – and I, I, look, I get it. You, you can ask questions, I think, fairly. What's the United States doing in certain regions – in certain countries, certain places, why are we uh, still engaged in Iraq and Afghanistan after all these years? These are quagmires. These are wars that you can't really ever re- ever win. They, they reference the Soviet invasion of uh, Afghanistan back in the nineteen uh, what the nineteen eighties, I guess. Of course, that goes back to the time of Osama bin Laden, where the United States was supporting uh, the the Afghans, the the Mujahideen, actually. So it's it's a complicated you know historical um, series of events, but and and I'm I, th- those are fair questions. The, the United States should not be the world's police. I look, I, I'm I'm on board with that. I'm not looking for war, but at the same time, at the same time, the United States has vital interests. I've seen people raise questions. Well, you know, isn't this really Israel's problem? Isn't this really Saudi Arabia's problem? And to some degree, yes. But to another degree, I, th- I think absolutely not. If Soleimani, Soleimani, however you say his last name, is killing U.S. service you know, personnel, military personnel, that becomes an American problem. Now you can say, again, why, why are we there in the first place? Well, we are. I mean, some of this stuff is so overly intellectual to me. It's, it's, it's devoid of any, any common sense. I mean, we are there. What do we, we, we suddenly want to just pack up and leave? Today, tomorrow, because of because of this, that's not that's not how this works. Whether we should have or shouldn't have been in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, to some degree, is academic. Now, it can be useful for thinking through how we handle these sorts of situations in the in the future. But the truth is, I mean, the reality is, is we are there. Whether we should or shouldn't, <clears throat> that's largely, as it pertains to how to respond, irrelevant. So now the question is, how's Trump going to going to respond to this? Which reminds me of of the conversation we had recently about striking uh, some cultural historical sites in Iran. Trump's now come out and basically said he's not going to do that. I saw was it Franklin Graham come out and say that he advised President Trump not to strike uh, not to strike the these these sites and so forth and i had actually made comments the other day uh, about this and look there's a difference between targeting a, a location targeting a site historical site cultural religious site just for the sake of taking it out versus um, it gets hit because the iranians are using it maybe as a place to to store some uh, military assets because they know we won't strike there which we know that the Palestinians do 
in the, the conflict with Israel. We know that they use hospitals and schools as a place where they fire missiles at Israel. We know this. And so as a result, what's Israel going to do, right? Are they going to strike the hospital? That's really what, really what the, the Palestinians, uh, what they want. Then they have that you know, picture, the pictures of that, the imagery. They can then say, look at how evil and de- you know, depraved and wicked the, Israel, uh, the Israelis are. They struck this hospital. They struck this school. But what they don't tell you is that they've been shooting bombs or missiles out of the windows of these schools. Anyway, the same sort of thing. Trump now saying he's not going to hit these sites. And, of course, I made the comment the other day, what? there's all this – I mean, we're literally having our military personnel killed, and we're having this debate whether or not we should strike these these targets. Now, I never would have been in favor of just striking them for whatever effect if there's not a strategic reason for doing so, meaning there's military assets or some missile sites or something – uh, that, that's being housed or protected or hidden in and around these particular areas of, of, of significance. But if they get hit in the meantime, because because we're trying to take out these uh, these assets, that's a totally different situation. And from Trump's pers- uh, perspective, you know this is how Trump thinks. He's like, I'm not going to give these folks any bit of information about what I'm going to do. I want them to think everything's open. I want them to think every possible scenario and solution is on the table. I want them not having any idea how I'm going to respond. This is one of the things that – one of the problems Trump had with President Obama. You, you heard him mock uh, some of our tactics as we were fighting in, I think, Iraq, where we would announce that we are going to be uh, conducting an operation in a city, You know, distributing flyers, dropping, from airplane, dropping them from airplanes or whatever we did. To acknowledge, hey, in in two weeks or five days or whatever, we're going to be conducting operations here. And Trump said, that, that's stupid. Why, why would we do that? Why would we allow that to be the case? Trump says, well, if I'm president, when I'm president, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell them anything. I might bluff. I might give them information that turns out to be exactly what we do. I might tell them something that's that's not accurate. I want them to not know. And, and, and in that sense, he's he's right. But right now we're you know, still trying to ascertain the, the true damage here, and we're trying to figure out what actually happens next. What's going to be the next step here with Iran? And folks are folks are scared. They're fearful about this. They're worried about Trump's response. You'll, you'll, you'll hear talk and, and uh, discussion about things being proportional. I'm, I'm not a big fan of this whole concept of uh, being proportional. If you have a an enemy who's made it clear that they're prepared to kill your uh, your personnel, your you know, and, and actually lob uh, attacks against uh, your uh, military personnel and so forth around the region. I think you incapacitate their their abilities to do that. And you'll also remember Trump came out and said we've got fifty two targets listed, and I think this is actually kind of kind of brilliant because he said. We have 52 because we go back, back to the Iranian hostage crisis. That's how many hostages they took back in 1979. 444 days being prisoners, prisoners of the Iranians, released literally the day, hours after Reagan was sworn in in 1981, January 20th. 444 days 
he says the 52 sites are to be uh, representative of, of the 52 hostages they took back in 1979, kind of making the point, making it symbolically accurate that this goes back all the way to there. This behavior can be traced back all the way to 1979, all the way back to Jimmy Carter's presidency, which was an absolute debacle, by the way. Anyway, Oz is telling me it's time to take a break, and I am going to oblige here and do that. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Sorry, it took me a few extra seconds there as I'm trying to do something here on uh, on social media. I wanted to actually share, and I'm going to have to do this in a moment. I wanted to share this article. I referenced it last segment, <clears throat> pardon me, but I didn't get to it because I got off on a bit of a tangent, a rant, if you will, about Soleimani and just uh, just different aspects of this whole conflict and how far back it can actually be traced. But an opinion piece at foxnews.com published yesterday, January 7th, by Andrew McCarthy, killing of Soleimani, justified. He was enemy com- uh, combatant, terrorist, commander. I'm going to read a part of this, and again, I'll post this on Facebook. And I think, look, I, I still go back to this whole concept of moral equivalency. The United States of America and Iran are not morally equivalent. They're just not, folks. I don't, this is as clear as the noonday sun to me. In the middle of a cloudless sky, in the middle of the, uh, you know, the, the Sahara Desert, right? That This is how obvious this should be to everybody, in my opinion, by the way. But unfortunately, it's not. And I don't know all the reasons for this. I think there's a a fair amount of of guilt. Uh, Some people, I think, feel guilty for the power the United States possesses. I think that they believe that it's not fair. I believe that they think that we've built our power on uh, by, by taking advantage of other people. And I say thank God for a country, for a world, I should say, that has... A nation like the United States is the most powerful. Because can you imagine a world with a nation like Iran being the most powerful? Can you imagine a world with a nation like Russia being the most powerful? Can you imagine a world where China is the most powerful? Or at least there's not a nation like the United States to keep to keep them in check. I go on and on. And again, this is not because of our DNA. This is because of our foundational government governmental principles. I believe that this nation, I've said this on here countless times, the United States of America, as founded, and again, not perfect, right? you take the issue of slavery, I feel like that has to be mentioned in today's world in case some leftist is listening and misunderstands what I'm saying, but the core principles, the principles enshrined in the Declaration, the Constitution, are fundamentally the opposite of what we see in the Islamic Republic of Iran. It is. It's the fundamental opposite of Iran. And that's not a 
That's not an insult to the citizens. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with the foundational principles. And this nation, I believe, fundamentally, as it was set up, taking into account, of course, some of the mistakes that were made, in particular slavery. So I want to exempt that from this statement, which, by the way, it has been exempted from our culture and our society, thank God. So I want to I want to mention that and make it clear. But as founded, this nation is the closest way, and I'm, I don't mean I'm not talking about political parties. I'm not talking about nuances and certain laws and so forth. I'm talking about the way that I think God created man to live this side of heaven, because God God respects God creates freedom, right? God creates individuals. God cares for has relationships with individual people. In this nation, the fundamental foundational principles allow for that. The Islamic Republic of Iran does not. And so that, I think, is an important difference. Not only that, just look at the activities. I know some folks want to act like the United States is this great, uh, I don't know, this, this power that goes around the world taking over countries as though uh, we're, we're nations of, of times long long ago in the past, where we just uh, are imperialistic, we expand, we take over territory, we break things, we you know destroy the lives of people, all for the glory of our you know president in the case of Donald Trump or whatever. That's just not that's not the case. It's not what we did in Iraq. It's not what we did in Afghanistan. In fact, in the if you look through the through history, it's it's. The way the United States operates today is not like nations used to operate. Used to, if you were defeated in war, you were conquered. And I'm not arguing for that, by the way. I'm just saying the way that they talk about this country is not based in in reality. It's not what it's not what we do. If Iran defeated the United States in a war, Iran would take it over. And they think that they would be owed that. They think that they, they have new territory to enforce Sharia law, and then that is a that's a good thing in their minds. These are not moral morally equivalent things. And so I want to read part of this article, and it's already time for me to take a break here, but I want to read part of this article that Andrew McCarthy wrote, posted at foxnews.com. I'll post it on our Facebook page as well, but I've got to take a time out here, get into this briefly before we come back, or after this break, I should say. So sit tight. Be back here in just a minute. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. All right, back to this Andrew McCarthy article. I have a ton of respect for Andrew McCarthy, by the way. I think Andrew McCarthy is a very... Um, has a very good legal mind. He um, is a well, very insightful, very helpful for, I think, the average person to kind of navigate some of these issues. But this is what he writes, talking about the killing of General Soleimani, which he says is justified because he was an enemy combatant terrorist commander. Here's what he writes. Last week, Iranian General Soleimani was killed on a target 
uh, targeted strike by U.S. forces authorized by President Trump. This preemptive attack has spawned a curious debate over whether Soleimani posed an imminent threat at the time he was taken out. The suggestion, mainly by partisan Democrats, is that it was illegitimate for the president to use lethal force without congressional authorization, absent proof that Soleimani was on the cusp of killing Americans, or better, killing even more Americans. The debate puts me in mind of the early to mid-1990s when our counterterrorism laws were dangerously flawed. Back then, sensible Democrats, as most of them were, knew that these defects had to be addressed. Rather than sound like apologists for anti-American jihadists, they took admirably expeditious action. The problem emerged in the investigation of the proto-Qaeda terror network guided by the so-called blind sheik Omar Abdel Rahman. I was then a federal prosecutor and took over that investigation in the spring of 1993. Again, reading from an op-ed written by Andrew McCarthy, foxnews.com. At the end, or excuse me, at the time, having just bombed the World Trade Center, the jihadists were actively plotting something even more monstrous, monstrous, simultaneous attacks on the Lincoln and Holland tunnels and the United Nations complex on Manhattan's east side. The jihadists were also scouting additional landmarks in the city, including U.S. military facilities and the FBI's headquarters. We knew about the plot and were in a position to thwart it because we had a confidential informant. Back then, neither he nor anyone else got the sniffles over the media's labeling him a, quote, spy. Ahmad Salim, a former Egyptian military officer, had infiltrated the cell and covertly recorded discussions with a blind sheik about the desirability of bombing U.S. armed forces like the Shiite Iranian regime, longtime supporters of Sunni al-Qaeda and Hamas, as well as Shiite Hezbollah. Abdel Rahman, a renowned Sunni Sharia scholar, recommended that Muslims put aside their, their conflicts when it came to fighting America, of course, who is the great Satan. So look, I mean, we have, uh, we have. Sorry, I had to click to read the the rest of this. I say it was posted at Fox News. It originally was posted at National National Review. But he says in the early 1990s, uh, I, I don't want to read about the early 90s. I, I want to get to this, uh, the the I guess the point here, the whole crux here. And as I look at the time, I might want to do that in the next uh, the next segment. But he goes back and, and lays out, you know, kind of a a thought process as to how we get. Uh, to, to where we are with our thought process on taking out Soleimani, right? He is leading he, He's leading a terrorist network by proxy, but it's as though he has some title in, a, uh, in the Iranian state that somehow we're supposed to ignore the realities of what this guy really is. Doesn't add up to me. And by the way, Soleimani is not the equivalent of, you could say in the government, his position might be equivalent to, say, Pompeo or the Secretary of State or what have you, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the Attorney General or something like that. But you can't say that his actions are anything close to what our Secretaries of State do, anything close to what our Attorneys General do. Anyway, got to take a break. When we get back, I'll wrap up this, uh, get to the, the crux of what he's getting at here as it pertains to Soleimani, but I've got to take a break. You are listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute.
Welcome back. So I'm going to get to, before I'm out of time here, which I only have a couple of minutes left. I know it's it's upsetting when there's only three or four minutes left. But the part of this article that I want to get to, this op-ed, Andrew McCarthy, National Review, I came across it at Fox News, so I apologize for that. He's, he's comparing and contrasting what happened with the blind shake, whom he was personally involved with because he was spearheading that prosecution. He said, back then, the bipartisan message was loud and clear. We want terrorists aggressively prosecuted, but even more, we want our agents to have the tools to prevent plots and attacks from taking shape in the first place. Where is that message today, he asks. In neutralizing terrorists and their state sponsors, the venerable law of war is, to my mind, a necessary complement, if not a preferable alternative, to the criminal law. One of the many reasons is that when an enemy is making war on the United States, there is no need to wait for an attack to be imminent. That's really the question here. People are saying, oh, you should have waited for there to be an imminent attack. McCarthy's point is we have an enemy, a sworn enemy against the United States of America who's engaged in in prior attacks, who we know is planning future attacks. Now we have to wait until this is preemptive or excuse me, that until it's uh, it's it's imminent. He says in, uh, people want to wait for it to be imminent in order to justify a defensive preemptive strike. General Soleimani was an enemy combatant commander for the Iranian regime and the jihadist terrorist uh, terror networks it uses in Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, and elsewhere. For over 40 years, Iran has unabashedly pronounced itself as at war with the United States. It has conducted major attacks that have killed hundreds of Americans. In just the past few weeks, Iran's jihadist militias attacked American bases in and around Baghdad 11 times. And he concludes by asking, why is the issue of imminence even an issue? This is not a close call. We are talking about one of the most notorious mass murderers of Americans on the planet, the top combatant commander of the regime, that proudly, and this is true by the way, proudly tells the world its motto is death to America. Why would we want to raise and a, a, a true a question that would make eliminating such a monster more difficult. You know, this is not an American. This is not someone who's, this may be controversial to some, but not protected by the actual Constitution of the United States of America. This is a an enemy combatant. When someone is at war with the United States, all these things go to the wayside, right? This is not not an issue of, of whether someone should have their Miranda rights read to them. This is someone who is a sworn enemy of the United States of America. So I wanted to make sure that we that we got to that and wrap that up before the end of the program. And we did that. We did that. So nonetheless, we've got some some thinking. I shouldn't say something. We, we, we've got some waiting and seeing, I guess I should say, what will happen next as we move towards the end of Trump's waiting period, right, as we wait to see how Trump will will respond to this, what will happen next. Um, And, of course, there's all sorts of projections and predictions, and I don't do that. I think, uh, you know, that's – it's hard for me to imagine him doing nothing, that's for sure. But, look, I don't – I think kind of predicting some of these things is a little bit – I don't know, crazy sometimes. But anyway, I've got to wrap up. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care. 